What's up, guys? We are already almost done with our first week of our competition to win some free DNVR shirts or gift cards. Here's how you do it. It's called World Golf Tour, and it's the best golf app on the market. First, you must download the game from FreeWGT.com to start. The only way you can enter to win is if you download it from FreeWGT.com. Second, head to that closest to the whole challenge once you get into the game, and then we'll pick a golf course. This week's is Wolf Creek, and the hole is the very first hole of the challenge. Hole number 11, but the first hole that you play. And whoever gets closest to the hole that week will win a sweet DNVR shirt of their choice or a gift card from a local restaurant. All you have to do to enter is take a screenshot of how close to the hole you got and then send it to us either on Twitter or at info at thednvr.com. That's I-N-F-O at thednvr.com. But that's not it. Not only are we doing a weekly giveaway for a shirt or a gift card, after all of it, we're also going to do a big raffle off to win tickets to an Avs game or a jersey of your choice if you're out of state. So it's a great opportunity. Even if you don't have a great score as far as being closest to the hole, still enter the competition to get some of those raffle tickets and have a chance to win the big prize. One last time, head to FreeWGT.com to download the game, pick the closest to the hole challenge, and go to Wolf Creek Golf Course and select that very first first hole to play for the closest to the whole challenge. You can hit us up either on Twitter or again at info at the dnvr.com. I've just accepted I'm not going to win after we saw some scores inside one foot yesterday. So I will also not be winning. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> if you can beat that, I mean, if you get a hole in one or something, I think you got a good chance to win. We'll put it that way. Honestly, I tried. Yeah, I know. I I was trying to grind it out too, but just I'm not good enough, I guess. But anyway, let's jump into the show. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Cole J T Comfer. Eight seven seven goes now. Gabriel. Collective hugs, 29 and 92. See me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Hello. I hope we're live. But welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. You can visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or check out online at mygreensolution.com. You can go to their express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. And you can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. The Avs fell to the Florida Panthers in overtime 4-3 to last night in what was kind of a crazy game. Game. There was a whole lot of ups and downs. If I'm being honest, if I'm removing the Av side of things from it, I actually loved this game. I thought it was extremely exciting, very back and forth, and it had a little bit of everything in it. Just the type of hockey that I personally love to watch. AJ, you were in the building for it. I imagine it was a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, it was a weird feel in the arena last night, honestly, just with the... Uh 
the kind of, there it never felt like the energy was really there from the crowd or the abs like the crowd got into it when they were supposed to be into it but it it was never anything sustained and it was never really anything sustained from the abs either you know that there was a lot of back and forth in that game and it just sort of uh it was a very entertaining game to watch. There were some good chances, some great goaltending and all that. It was uh, some good stuff. But, I mean, ultimately not the result that you wanted, obviously, uh, from the Colorado side of things. Uh, that second point, you really hope that you don't look back at the end of the year and say... That's a point that matters at right, the end of it, yeah. You, you know, you, you toss that into a little... A, some, what you hope is a small pile of points left on the board... And say, well, that's the difference between hosting St. Louis in the first round or going to St. Louis in the first round, you know, or something, something like that. Yeah. Before we jump into the details of the game, kind of everyone got thrown for a loop, even coming out for warmups, as the posted lineup had Ryan Graves in it. And then warmup happens. Ryan Graves is not up on the ice. You end up walking in with him. So here's how this happened, yeah. <laughs> because uh, basically the entire population of Nova Scotia has let me know that I, I have wronged one of their native sons. <laughs> and so I feel the responsibility to at least explain how this how this came about. Uh, I did not go to morning skate yesterday. Uh, I had other things. So I looked at the projected abs lineup from their own PR department. Um that's what I looked at. That's what everybody looked at. I went through every tweet from every person who did attend Morning Skate yesterday, and nobody knew Ryan Graves was out of the lineup. We all assumed Ryan Graves was in the lineup. He had been in the lineup for all of them. He hadn't been scratched up to this point, and everybody was healthy, and everything was fine, and there was no reason to believe Ryan Graves was not playing. Now, they had made the decision, apparently, as we know now, they had made the decision in the morning. Ryan Graves would not play. Mark Barbario would. And the only people who apparently knew this were Mark Barbario, Ryan Graves, and Jared Bednar. And, you know, I'm assuming, like, the team and, you know. I would hope, yeah. But the wider public, including us in the media, did not know this. And so when I walked into the arena just about the time that warm-ups were finishing up, I walked in, and I walked in with Graves. And I thought, well, that's odd. I thought he was playing tonight. Now, a lot of people have been like, well, AJ, why don't you have the integrity to just ask Ryan, hey, Ryan, how come you're not, you know, are you playing tonight or blah, 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 blah. I've got a pretty easy answer to that. I don't talk to the players unless we're in an official setting. The players and I are not pals. That is not, that is not the relationship that we are designed to build. You know, we're supposed to have a positive working relationship, but... I tend to leave the players alone when they are not in an official capacity. They're people. They deserve to have their privacy. If And, and I always ask, you know, what, what would I do if I was in their position? I would want to largely have my privacy and just be another person. They have times and places for them to sign autographs and to do things with fans and to do all of that stuff. And if people come up to them on the street all the time, you know, that would get tiring. I don't know that that's a huge problem here in Denver just because of, you know, I mean, it's not as big a city. Denver's never really been that kind of city. Right, and it's not really that kind of culture, but at the same time, like, these guys are well-known. You know, I I doubt Gabe Landeskog goes many places and gets totally off scot-free. Yeah. For me personally, I don't talk to the players outside of those those situations in which 
I'm been I've been allowed by P, the PR staff to to do stuff. It's just one of those things I've I've always lived by. I try to avoid any kind of like social interactions with again, not supposed to be friends. These are these are these are people that I have to cover in a professional manner and it hurts my credibility to do that if I'm buddying up to them. If it's if we're if we're besties, I can't turn around and then criticize them, which is part of my job. There are some people that do that, that do cozy up to the players and do get super pally around with them. You will also notice those people do not criticize them. I can't get away with that in my job. And so that's part of the relationship is that there is a line in the sand that I have drawn where I say I don't talk to the players outside of these capacities. That's the reason why I I said hi to Graves last night. He said hi to me. And that was it. We don't, you know, no small talk. He went about his way. I went about mine. It wasn't like we were like walking next to each other side by side, not speaking. He literally went his direction and I literally went mine. All of this easily verified by many of the people who could who were standing around. This was nothing malicious. We get upstairs. They announced the lineup. Graves is now out. And I put out the tweet. Yep. The now infamous tweet of Graves was expected to play because by all accounts he was. I didn't mean to apply, and this is where I went wrong. This is where I made the mistake, is that I left it open to interpretation that because Graves was just getting to the arena, that he was supposed to play, that he had been scratched because he was late. That was not my intention to imply that. It was 100% my mistake. That was obviously a very poorly worded tweet on my part. I apologize for that, and it's it's on me. You know, and that Ryan Graves went on Twitter after the game and dunked on me. I earned that. I would also say in my defense, I followed that tweet up by clarifying later on. And it and it was what? 15 minutes later that, hey, the abs had said he had he'd been informed in the morning he wasn't playing. It was no big deal. I put out on a follow up tweet that said players arriving at that time of at that time who are not expected to play, is a very normal thing. I regularly walk in with one of the players, just not one of the ones I thought was playing at the time. Right. So what have I learned from this? <laughs> where where do I go? Where, where do I do right by our listeners and readers and subscribers and all of that in the future? Don't do that. Just don't leave it open to interpretation. Or another easy thing, ask the player when I'm standing next to him. As, as much as I'm uncomfortable, you know, making that kind of small talk with somebody when I'm I don't really think it's appropriate, but it would be much easier had I just said, hey, Ryan, I thought you were in tonight. And he said, oh, no, they, you know, they put Barb's in and I would have gone upstairs and said, hey, quick lineup note. Barb's was in. Could go back and undo all of that with a very simple 15 second conversation that I chose not to have. It's 100 percent. on That's on me. That is my fault, and I apologize to everybody. And I have to get out of here after this pod because I have to head over to Avs practice to apologize to Ryan Graves, which is best done in person and not on Twitter. So I've got to go and do that, which is why we've got to get out of here at some point. Uh, but I wanted to start off the show with that because I'm still getting dunked on on Twitter, and I felt <laughs> and I felt a responsibility to at least be honest with with all of our listeners and readers and say, Hey, I've made this mistake. And, um, 
I'm not a person who's afraid of owning a mistake. I've, I made that. I own that. That is on me. All right. Well, AJ wishes he could redo the stuff pregame, and I'm sure the Avs wish they could redo about the last seven minutes of that game because it kind of came apart at the seams pretty quickly. You know, let's before we get into that collapse, yeah. because because really, I think we need to you dedicate a whole segment yeah. to the Nikita Zadorov hit yep. and the ensuing fallout and how it all kind of happened. Yeah. But I I don't know how they were up three one in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, the well, it was a really weird game because the Avs got outplayed in the first period pretty heavily. I, you know, there was room for improvement. I, I thought it was Florida tilted, but I didn't, I didn't feel like they were getting dominated. You know, and mm, yeah, I, Florida kind of end capped the period strong. Both started it and finished it, mm-hmm. but the middle was a bit more even. I would say. I just, you know, well, and and and. You know, the Avs had the goals. Yeah, obviously. And so, obviously, you're feeling like, well, it's hard to say you got dominated when you walk into a period with a, into an intermission with yeah, a mean, lead, you know? Yes, but you were also getting crushed on possession for a yeah. lot of the period. And and I, I just think it was a, a, a seesaw that Florida won possession-wise, but the Avs won on the scoreboard. Yeah, absolutely. And so, all things... Kind of kind balanced of, right, out yeah. there where you were like, uh, well, you know. I mean, this is why I called it such a good hockey game. It's, right. It wasn't a domination on the scoreboard either way. The second period, the Avs were destroying the yeah. possession for most of, but had nothing to show for it. 13 shots on goal in the first seven minutes. Yeah. They were out shooting Florida 13-1 to one at the seven-minute right. mark. And then they ended the period with 17 shots. So right. That was four shots in the next 13, which and, isn't as great. But. Well, but, but Florida's... An NHL team that's very good. They're not going to roll over and die, certainly. Right. And we've seen them push back in all of the games that these two teams have played in the last couple of years. This game being almost a copy of the one we saw in Denver on trade deadline day last year, yep. where Florida also had a third period, a very late third period comeback in which they also won that game in in after regulation. Yeah. Not a, not a trend that I love. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the Avs pulled three or four points from their season series with Florida. With, yeah. And Florida also pulled three or four points. So both they, teams kind of feel everybody pretty wins. Good yeah. About the season series. Yeah. And we mentioned this before we went live with the show. If you don't look at how the bread was made, the Avs got a point out of a game that didn't include Miko Rantanen and didn't no. include Gabe Landeskog. Their first game without. Without both of them, right? which, of course, is a major adjustment, and the lineup was all over the place, and we saw the adverse effects of that, which I'm sure we'll talk about on the show. I am sure we will get to that in the second segment alongside all of this Zadorov stuff going on. But first, Breckenridge Brewery has now partnered with Never Summer to do an event for opening day of the ski and snowboard season. They're having this event from 6 to 11 p.m. at Punchbowl Social down in Denver on November 8th. Snow is in the air and the mountains are calling everyone's name, so 
it's time to party about it. This year, Denver Legends and the Gin Doctors will be crushing our favorite 90s hits, and you get the chance to take the stage and rock out with them. You have live bands that you can do karaoke with and a ton of other awesome stuff, so stay tuned for signups to go to this event, as well as chances to win a bunch of awesome stuff, including an artist series all-mountain snowboard designed by Jamie Molina, chances to win an epic pass for the season, and as well watch a premiere of Never Summer's new film. It's basically just going to be a sweet, awesome time with Breckenridge Brewery and Never Summer over at the Punchbowl Social. Highly recommend going out and having a good time with all of that. Jumping in to the next segment of the show as far as the abs are concerned, First off, we do have a watch party coming up officially on November 5th at the Pioneer. And we just got some news today that we were going to have a keg of Breck Brews Christmas Ale at this event. So you better get there quick before I drink all of it because you know I'm always drinking the Breck Brew. Just saying, come on out. Come watch some hockey with us. AJ, unfortunately, will not be here because he'll be at the game. Yeah, I will be in Dallas for the game. So I might have to drink for two. We'll see. But... The last one was an awesome time. It's a ton of good beer, Breck Brew or otherwise, and you have a chance to win some gift cards and stuff as well. So, And the Pioneer is an awesome hockey yeah, bar. Yeah, it is a sweet bar, honestly. Like, I, You can't go wrong with any of the places we go, but yeah. I really like hanging out just in the DU campus area yeah. in general. It's a beautiful campus. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to the parts of this game that are interesting. Yeah. We're going to diverge a little bit, I think, on the Zadorov stuff here. I think we are. Here. I think uh, we are. And I think, and I think we're really going to diverge from some of our listeners and yes, readers and absolutely such. Absolutely, yes. Um, let's. I mean, let's all let's all at least be real here. The first hit was awesome. Yes, and it was clean. Yep. I didn't have any issues with it. I know that I had one person last night who was like, "Was that hit even clean?" Because it kind of looked like head contact and. I went back and watched it as, from as many angles as I as I could, and I I never I never saw it. Yeah. I didn't have any trouble with any of the way it went down. Uh, Howerlick does reach a little bit, it seems like, as we're getting the phone lines are blowing up here yeah. at DNVR. The, the callers, they yeah. want to know. They, they need answers to this Zadorov situation, I guess. Yeah. But it, what happened with this play is it was just perfectly timed by Zadorov. The puck comes up the boards past power luck. He just touches it, and then Z destroys him. It's not even close. It, you cannot hit any better than that. We've talked about Z will do this five, six times a year, mm -hmm. and he just lined him up on the tracks and found that one. And, and what, what's gotten lost in this is that they have scored immediately yeah, after they, that. All the momentum swung directly to the Avs off of that hit. Right, and they scored the third goal, which... Should have ended the game. Right. That should have been, I mean, that should have been it. It really should have. That hit, that hit threw a jolt into the crowd, uh, threw a jolt into the press box, everything. Yep. Everybody who saw that hit got into it. <laughs> Except maybe Panthers fans and Howard Lick's family. They, they probably did not appreciate the hit as much as we did. Uh, and uh, haven't heard any updates on his health, but always hoping for the best for him. Yeah, you, of you, course. Not cheering, not cheering the fact that he got hurt no. on the play. Just no. that it was a great hockey hit, and I mean, boom, and should have been a good thing. Ended up turning sour after that. After they made it three one, 
you know what, two minutes goes by. He comes out for his next shift. He gets chased around. Dryden Hunt the entire shift rocks him. Yep, into the into the boards, and you're like, okay, like they're they're getting their pound of flesh. They're mad. They're going after him. Hunt on slashes him in the ankle. The play goes back down the other way. Zadorov takes a shot at him. Puck comes back out. Zadorov plays the puck, yep. chases him down, and slashes him again. Yep. What are you doing? This penalty is dumb. I'm not going to deny any of that on Zadorov's part, but I expect a better job to be done by the referees in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. If you're going to call Zadorov's retaliatory penalty there, what is Dryden Hunt doing? This entire shift is retaliatory to right. Zadorov's hit. You can't pick and choose there, and you have to know after a hit like that that something like this is coming. Right. They did not. They they made overtures about going after him right away, yep. but nothing serious. Right, and so on his next shift. They went after him specifically, and I will agree with you. I don't know what the the officials are looking at here. They're they're watching Zadorov. They know what's coming. Everybody in the building knows what's coming. Yeah. Everybody who's ever watched at least one hockey game knows it's about to go down. <laughs> right. Like, oh, there's been a big hit. You've got to answer. Yep. It's just part of the game. Whether or not that's good or bad, I, you know, we could get into a whole. Interesting yeah. philosophical discussion about clean hits being punishable by fights, but whatever. It was a clean hit, and they chased him around, and they essentially goaded him into taking a penalty. And my frustration is the Zadorov with the second one. What are you doing? Like, the guy whacked you. You whacked him back. I understand he just rocked you into the bench, and you don't feel great about that either. He's been following you around. You've been trying to keep your cool. Now you've lost it, and you've put yourself and you've put your team in a bad position. And for what? What did you gain out of it? And I know that the competitor in that moment is not thinking about that. He's seeing red, and he's seeing a dude following him around and taking shots at him and hitting him physically, hitting him. And I understand that he's like. I'm done with this. This is... I generally do not subscribe to the old school mentality of hockey. But if the refs aren't going to control the game, the players absolutely will. Right. And Zadorov is not going to take that. He's not going to let them right. run around because he put a clean hit. And if that means he's got to slash a guy on the calf extra hard a second time... Yeah. Boy, I think he's taken worse penalties than this. I'll put it oh, that yeah. way. 100%. So... The penalty, again, not a good penalty. The like, Avs almost certainly win the game if he doesn't take this penalty. I, f- I feel like we can all agree that the second slash was dumb. Yes. But where where I think a lot of divergence is happening is that a lot of people are just saying that was dumb and that's the end of it. And I feel like the officiating crew needs to do a much better job of managing the game. 100%. You cannot have a player just yeah. getting chased it around like that. That's And then waiting for him to do something in response and then kicking him out of the game. That's what the instigator penalty is perfectly for there. Right. It's You have to control the game. You have to understand the situation and not let it get to the point where you have to call those penalties and throw those dudes out. You're, right. you're too late at that point. Yep, and then they go on that power play. Z gets two, two, and ten. Yep, he's done. He goes out of the bench in. He goes out. <laughs> or I'm sorry. He goes out of the game in truly legendary style. Yes. As he as he 
points at the bench, the Florida bench, yeah. and goes one by one down the bench and says, you, 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 any of you, <laughs> let's go. And that's what I mean. And, and like when we talk about the value of Nikita Zadorov, this is it. Exactly. He is that that old school gladiator that kind of brings this. He will change a game by ruining a man. Yep. And that's what he did. Exactly what and he did. And it, it was for the better. They went up 3-1. They scored immediately after. The building, I talked about the energy earlier. There was no more energy in that building than at that point. After he had made that hit, and then they scored immediately after. And everything was all smiles. And you're like, great. They're just going to roll their way to their ninth win of the season. And here we go. Then all that nonsense happened. Everybody agrees. And Bedner after the game, I asked him about it, and he just said, it's a dumb penalty. He got away with the first slash. The second slash they called, he can't do that. I tend to agree with them. I also tend to agree that the officiating crew needs to be saying, hey, both of you guys just slashed each other. Get off the ice. Manage the game. That's your job. Yep. Manage the damn game. Yep. These guys just committed multiple penalties against each other. And you decide to give one of them an extra because you just kept letting it go on. If you let it go on, you give them an inch, they're gonna take a mile. These guys are at, these guys are competitors at the highest level. They're gonna get after each other. And the fact that one guy got more penalized than the other, it that's my frustration with how the game gets managed by. And this happens all the time with officiating with officiating yeah. crews. Where they decide, okay, well, this went too far, and it's like, why did it go too far? It's it, it's it's like it's like have it's you know it's like it's like let your kid do one thing, and you're like, oh well, that's not a big deal. And the next thing you know, he's come home and he's got crayons and drawings <laughs> all over your wall, and you're like, what in the this this took a huge leap, and you're like, yeah, well, you didn't nip it in the bud the first time. Yeah, you opened the door for the for the kid to find the line. Here, my issue with the mentality of how harsh everything seems to come down on Zadorov for this dumb penalty. There, I, I get it. Hockey's a results-oriented sport. Yeah, the Panthers went and scored on that ensuing power play almost immediately. Garbage too. Yeah, I went. But did you? Is anybody else watch that goal in slow <laughs> motion? Because it's nonsense. Yeah, it's just silly. Barkov tips it. The puck bounces right in front of Grubauer. Comes up, hits him in the stick, hits him in the midsection, falls down in between his legs, hits his right pad, and just kind of kicks over to his left pad, and it's dribbling along. And because the goaltender doesn't know where the puck is, he naturally closes his legs because he wants to, he wants to pin the puck, and in doing that, accidentally kicks the puck into his own net. It was insane. Yeah. I was like, that's how Sasha Barkov got his first goal of the year, <laughs> is on a puck that bounced like that. Sometimes that's what it takes. It was crazy, man. And and then, like, the six-on-five was a disaster. Uh, the, the whole uh, – even going back, we'll get back to the six-on-five, but the point I'm trying to make is Ian Cole took two terrible penalties in this game. And Ian Cole took two terrible penalties in a game I thought he otherwise played pretty well. Right, but – and Florida didn't score the on weirdness him. of that game. Right, Florida didn't score on him, and nobody at the end of the game is talking about. Oh, you know, Ian Cole just can't take those penalties. Right. When nobody's our... talking about Ian Cole right. taking penalties because <laughs> nothing happened on them. Right. Exactly. So they didn't score. And I talked to Nieto afterwards. He said, "Look, our kill has to finish. Yeah, our penalty kill has to finish the job. 
We didn't get it. We did a good job through those first couple of power plays. We didn't do it on all of them, and that's the game. That's the job. You're out there to kill penalties, not to kill some penalties. Yeah, it, I mean, the Avs went over two on the power play. Florida went one for four, and then had the six on five goal. Yep. Special teams is is ultimately the difference in the game. Yep. Uh, I the six on five goal really really bugged me. Because the Avs just awful. love 100% giving up the entire sheet of ice above the circles. Yeah. Like, they just don't put anybody out there. They're, it's so passive and that it's it's very – it reminds me of watching any team ever coached by Dave Tippett where they just want to pack it in with yep. all five of their guys yep. and create, like, a little man wall to yeah. block shots. <laughs> like, this is Sparta style. <laughs> right, and it's like – they ended up giving up way too much space for Uberto to just kind of do what he wanted, and he just beat Grubauer. Yeah, and that's of of all the 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 goals last night that Florida scored, that's the one that probably didn't sit well with me. Yeah, because I'm like, that's the save he has to make. Right. That's the like that's the that's the one save difference right there. And you know, and then obviously the poke checking overtime, yeah, which we'll get to. I that. feel like how many times have we talked about this? We'll be brief about that part of it. Um, but we'll go ahead and take our second quick little break here. It's you can only have so much Big Z talk in one segment. I mean, it it he's a big dude, and there's a whole lot of angles to this. It's a it's a it's complicated, yeah. and his history plays a big role it in it, and. The fact that he just has not played well this season certainly looms over everything. And you'll wonder next game if uh, Graves is not in for Z, honestly, after, after that. You have to think about it. Again, I think when you take it in context, I wouldn't sit Z, but I don't make those decisions. So Right, but I mean, this is a guy that was just coming off of a, a benching That's true. not that long ago. And it's like the penalties have been the problem. And again, another on another very avoidable one. You can't say that that's one that he got called for being too big. He got he got called for no. being a little too mad. Yeah, that was, it was definitely a penalty, and it was definitely not a good one. That it was that's well just a earned. fact. Yes, but it should have been two two and done. Yes. All right. Well, while we don't want Zadorov to serve any more penalties. Piper Electric has been serving the Denver metro area in 1983 through a commitment to customer service and team performance. Piper Electric is the hometown electrical contractor you can trust. If you call 303-646-6765, they will give you the DNVR hookup and save you 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. They work with the top professionalism and integrity in the biz, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. Don't forget, you have to call 303-646-6765 to receive 20% off your next service call. All right, third and final segment of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by The Green Solution. He's AJ. I'm Rudo. Those are our codes. If you have not yet signed up for a DNVR membership, now's the time to do it because we just have awesome content. I, I don't want to boast too much, but honestly, I just love looking at our site's content because it's awesome. We have my takes in the three standouts. We have Evan's takes in the grades. We have your takeaways directly from the game. We have tons of different angles to look at this Avs team, and there really is no better time to sign up. I don't know how else to put it. If you don't want to use Rudor or AJ, you can use Evan's code, which is Raul, R-A-W-A-L, and 
help us win some of that Breck beer that I've been talking about because whoever at DNVR gets the most memberships, they win a year's supply of Breck brew. And no, we promise to share. Yes, we will share with everyone. If I win it, it parties at my apartment every week. Yeah, and if and if I win it, then you know my new roommates are just gonna have to deal with a whole lot of new friends <laughs> drinking beer in our backyard. Hey, I know I said it was a quiet home yeah. that you're moving into. I know, but... I know I told you guys that I don't have a lot of people over, but then I want a year supply of Breck Brew, and life changes. <laughs> okay, I, I do want to take a minute to talk about the other defensemen in this game because I think a lot of the Avs defensemen very quietly had bad games. Really? I do. Okay. Number one, Sam Gerrard. Had some good moments. Had some very, very uncharacteristic icings throughout this game. I liked... What I liked about G was typically what I always like. Breaking the puck out. Skating it out of danger. uh, Very calm under pressure. Makes good decisions. I... I like that, and I—I I mean, I almost always like that because he does it really well. Yes. He's one of the best in the NHL at that. One hundred percent. The rest of it, though, it was a little off, wasn't it? It just felt a little—a little, no pun intended, but a little short. <laughs> yeah, not you know. It it just it fell short of what I think he's capable of. The not just what he's capable of expectations for him yeah. this year they are higher <laughs> and that comes with him getting an even strength assist right. he got a point in this game and i'm looking at that and going you know his puck movement really wasn't that good yeah uh number two eric johnson the second period eric johnson was great he was getting up into the play he was getting involved he was shooting the puck and then he has a play where he just straight up falls over off of a face off and it ends up resulting in a florida goal how to feel about EJ these days. The whole season, really, yeah. The offense is apparently gone. Yeah, it's just does, doesn't does seem just, to exist. Well, yeah. and he just doesn't... The things he used to do to create that offense, he doesn't do anymore. I think they've asked him to be a different guy, and I think he's just settled into that. Yep. And I think more nights than not, and he's really effective in his own zone. I think he's turned into a really good penalty killer. I've really liked him on that unit. I just, it feels like he's effective in one half of the ice now. You're right. And it's not like, you know, with defensive defensemen, you're asking like, like, oddly, what Ryan Graves does is my is what I love. One of the things I love about his game is that when he's on offense, he doesn't just disappear. He makes intelligent decisions with the puck. It's either a good pinch to keep the puck in, he either rims it around where he has support, or he fires it into an empty corner and says, I'm just going to trust one of my teammates to go win a foot race because I play on the fastest team in the league. Why wouldn't I do that? <laughs> With EJ, it seems like it's the same stuff. He just gets it and he throws it at net. Yep. And I really I can't fault a guy for that approach because it's like, look, you just always want to shoot pucks. Okay, then you throw five pucks a night at you know near the goal. You hope for something to happen, but we're seeing he's not beating goaltenders. He's not, and and because he knows, you know, hey, I'm probably not going to score on this. He's keeping pucks low. Yeah, he's looking for tips. He's looking for deflections. 
He's hoping for chaos. Pretty much. And it just hasn't been there. It hasn't been an effective approach. He hasn't gotten that chaos. It has not worked for him. And there doesn't seem to be anything changing about it. Yeah, I think you brought up Ryan Graves pinching in, and that's something we haven't seen hardly at all from EJ this year. He is not pinching ever. He did once last night. McKinnon moved the puck to him. EJ yeah. bobbled it, lost it immediately, and it went the other direction. Yeah. And I turned to Evan, and I was like, you know, that just didn't used to happen to him. Right. You used to have him come in and pinch, collect the puck, control it, and, yeah. and the Avs continue their possession. It, and you're right. He did – even that wasn't – it wasn't a fully committed pinch. No. But, you know, last year he was jumping in front of the net to get the Avs into the playoffs, and that role has clearly changed pretty significantly. Yeah, I'm – I just, and this is maybe something I should just talk to him about and say, hey, what's different about your approach? You know, you're you're clearly not the same player because you don't play the same. Is that a conscious decision? Was that a coaching thing? You know, maybe maybe that's what I should I should just do my due diligence and go ask the damn guy because it is so different. It is noticeably different this year, and I and again, like it's not six million dollars. We knew that was coming. Yeah. It doesn't really hurt them. I don't think it's going to hurt them much. I I don't like the the player and the contract are just different conversations. Right now the player I just think is limiting himself too much. There's still too much left in the tank, I think, for him to shut it down the way that he has. Doesn't and maybe that's preservation because yeah. he's trying to He's trying, hey, I've got to be smart. I'm in my 30s now. I wake up and my knee hurts every day. I'm not a pro athlete. <laughs> you know, yeah. I I can't imagine some of the nicks and bumps and bruises that these guys have to wake up and push themselves through every day. And that might just be a preservation thing from EJ where he's like, hey, I've got to try and make this another several years. I can't go all out like I'm 22 anymore because I don't have that bounce back. And maybe that's that, but he's clearly the effectiveness on the offense and is just, it's iffy at best at this point. Thankfully, the Evs have a Kale McCarr to pick up a whole bunch of that slack. He Cole got a sixth assist last night. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. Like, I don't know how he, he has, does it. He has as many assists as Sam Drock yeah, does. Yeah, that's crazy. I yeah, Ian Cole is just a, a magician. Of every time my eye test says, "What is he doing?" and then I look at the stats and it's like, I guess it's working. Yeah, it's he is such an interesting. He's honestly he's a film room candidate. Yeah, really. If there ever was one, because it's like, <laughs> how does this happen? <laughs> and like this year, we know he's been he's been fortunate of a course, lot. Yeah, you don't end up like a. Plus ten thousand a week in like the five season. games, yeah. <laughs> With without you know th- a lot of things going your way, yeah. But it, his underlying numbers consistently are solid, and even when they're negative, they're rarely like deeply negative. You know where he gets crushed or something. It's he's he's just kind of an interesting guy to to watch on the defense because a lot of it's easy to be frustrated. He takes too many penalties, and you're kind of like, what are you doing? But but when he's out there, it's like, man, he he does have that veterany thing that Zadorov doesn't really have, where he does take too many penalties, but it gets down to crunch time, and he knows how to get away with it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 
you know. He's got the he's got the savvy. He's like, yeah. oh, that, guy, that official's not looking at me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Break this guy's stick in half. Right. Um, <laughs> my other question is, yeah. after last night's game, do you ever need a defenseman to shoot from the point ever again, or should you just have McKinnon do it? <laughs> I don't understand how this keeps working. Yeah, right. I, I, I wrote about this in my takeaways. Val Nichushkin has two breakaways <laughs> and a clean look right at the end of the third period. A clean look. Yep. From just inside the the, the the circle. And Bob's a wall. Nothing. Yeah. Can't do anything about <laughs> right. it. McKinnon throws these like soft little wristers from the point and he, in every game that thing goes in. It's either it's either tipped or it finds its way in. And it's just like, what? <laughs> Valentin played his eighty first consecutive Jeez. NHL game last night without a goal. That's brutal. His last goal came on March. Sixth or fourth of yeah. 2016 yeah. against the New Jersey Devils, in which he had a two point night that night. He has not scored since a, 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 a goal. goal. Yeah, and he has, I believe, eleven assists in that time since. Meanwhile, McKinnon throws wristers from the center point through three bodies, and they redirect off six different things. And, and this has worked for him twelve games yeah, in a row. Right. And you're just like, dude, what even is NHL hockey? <laughs> I don't, and well, and because, you know, like last night, the look on McKinnon's face, he was like, like, (laughs) you know, he knew, hey, that was a freebie. But it counts all the same. It was, despite that, McKinnon being the last living monster on the three-headed monster, he shows up. I was just kidding about chopping the heads off. Yeah. (laughs) I was just kidding, universe. Why are you doing this? Uh, but, you know, he shows up, he gets two points, he finds ways to create offense, even yeah. if it does look a bit ridiculous, but he gets doesn't, a shot it through. It really doesn't matter how, yeah, it, exactly. how that looks. I mean, it just he just continues to find a way. And I thought he played really well last I night I did as well. Yeah. I, I thought there was, uh, there was that element where when he was on the ice, the Panthers were like, oh, Lordy. It's, it, Let us get through the next 50 seconds unscathed. It was the movement. Uh, especially that second goal, the one at the end of the first yeah. with Donskoy. McKinnon was, in a matter of five seconds, was in every single part of that offensive yeah. zone. And it wasn't a clean play. The puck was bouncing yeah. all over the place. But that amount of movement and movement at speed like McKinnon can do just creates so much chaos yeah. that defenses get completely discombobulated. And it works. Yeah. And, you know, Donskoy, good work in front of the net. Yeah. Just stands there and... You could tell sometimes it's your night and sometimes it's not because uh, what was it? Um, there, I don't remember if it was last game or two games ago. There was a puck that bounced right out in front where Landeskog was. Yeah. And he was standing right in front of the net and he was ready for it to come right off the toe and right to him. And it weird. It took this really weird right angle bounce and kicked hard right to his backhand where he was like, oh, darn. Well, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. And then last night, like the puck just sits right there for Donskoy to turn around and whack it in. You're just like, well, I I love the effort by Donskoy in this game, though. He understood. He got moved up to the top line. Mm-hmm. McKinnon is the skill guy, and he has to get in there and do some of the dirty work. So he goes right to the front of the net. Right. He finds a rebound goal. He battles down there. He takes a puck to the dome later in the game. <laughs> But he keeps going back. He keeps driving the hole. He had a chance to put the game on ice in the third period. He had a puck come right to him in front of the net. It just rolled off of his stick, unfortunately. But he's doing the little things that 
he's going to need to do if he keeps up on a first-line role. Yeah, the guy that's got to do something different is Kadri. Yeah, that was he not pretty. totally lost. It was a bizarro night, too. Belmar and Kadri under 50% in face-offs. Yeah. McKinnon and Jost over 50%. And Jost won 6 of 7. Has a terrible game, but wins 6 of 7 face-offs. Bizarro Jost. Yeah, I McKinnon did win over 50% of his face-offs, but let's yeah. move into the overtime here. He didn't win that one. That was one. not one of yeah. them. And the Avs never saw possession of that puck. Yeah, well, and, and like it ended in 29 seconds. Yeah, it was, so it wasn't like it was three and a half minutes no. of, of the Panthers playing keep away here. It, 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 it took 29 seconds. And it took 29 seconds and a great play by Barkov. Yep. Because they were, they were getting ready to break out and go win the game on the other end. Yep. And Barkov just was able to make the last last desperation. That was all in. Because if Barkov does not make that play, it's three on one going the other mm, way. And I think the game is over. I don't I think McKinnon flubbed the the puck a little bit there. He did not get much on that. Mm-hmm. If, if he gets a decent amount of it, I think it gets clean through Barkov. Okay. But and that's fair enough. And and credit both ways here. Barkov absolutely made a like, fantastic right. play. Like but, he he makes the all in play. Yeah. Helped by McKinnon, McKinnon not, not getting all of it. Yeah, exactly. And Gerard had cheated. Yep. Two steps both, forward. Both Gerard and Donskoy just parted, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they were like, "Here we go." Yeah, and they, exactly. And they knew. They knew that they had Uberdo behind them. Yeah. They knew that Barkov was on the ice. And Barkov makes the play. Right. Uberdo's by himself, and Grubauer panics, poke checks. I asked him. I asked on Twitter. I said, "Can some of our goalie experts yeah, help yeah, us out I here and and get us some examples of of Grubauer actually succeeding with a poke check?" And people were like, "Oh, he did it a couple of times during the game, and it's it's different when he's like reaching out and stopping a cross ice yeah, pass. Exactly. That is not on net. That is not him trying the to save pass anything. It works with right. Yes. It is completely different because every time, and I say every time, just because it is at this point, it is purely confirmation bias." I don't know the last time that he tried to poke check on on like a on big a save like that situation, yeah. yeah, or or even like a man in front trying to make a move on him, like Oshie in yeah, Washington, yeah, yeah. where there was some traffic, but he was still there. He makes the move. Grubauer goes for the poke check. He opens it up. It goes five hole every time. Yeah, every like time clockwork. And it's just like is it's got to be for one. It has to be scouted at this point. If you can get him to go to the poke check, you've got that yeah. thing five hole every time. You, you knew Huberto certainly knew it on that in the overtime. He oh, saw that stick come out and went right. oh baby, <laughs> right? I'm he was, he was like, oh, this is it. And <laughs> I don't mind using the poke check some if it looks a bit effective. The the problem that I have with it is that we've seen him just not. Yeah, we've seen him just and square it, up, and he's just fine when and, he does and that. Not bite on any moves and just stay in front of him and stay big. And he stopped a lot of breakaways, a lot of high high danger uh, scoring chances. He has stopped because he just stays big and he stays square and he doesn't bite. When he gets too busy and he he tries to do it, he tries to do too much. He gets beat because he's trying to poke check it, and and I mean, hey, if he poke checks it and it goes the other way, he he ends up with an assist and he's a hero. Yeah, but uh, I agree with you. I I'm really struggling to think the last time he actually successfully poke checked it, and that I'm, one in particular, it's gonna happen at some point, right. and I feel like it's going to be a celebration. Right, everybody will party. 
but we're uh, gonna have to use our year supply of Breck Brew when we win yeah, the competition. There you go. Exactly. Just for the Grubauer poke check was successful party. <laughs> the the thing that bugged me about this one is he wasn't even like remotely close. Yeah. Barkov had already moved across from left to right along the crease. Or yeah. not Barkov, Huberto. And I meant he, what you know. Yeah, exactly. He sticks his stick out behind. Yeah. Huberto's stick, where the puck was, not where it's going to be. Yeah. And you're just looking at it like you just totally missed. Yeah. Like you weren't even close to trying to predict what was going to happen. Right. I I don't understand what is going on is in his head if he yeah. thinks that's going to work. Yeah, I'm and and after the game, um I did not talk to him. I was talking to Nieto, but I watched Grubauer talking to Francois. And he just had this look of bewilderment. I don't know how it happened. Yeah. He was like, and he was, he was, he was making the poke check movement. And he was like, I saw it. And he just seemed totally baffled that it didn't work. And I'm like, man, UC just has to tell him to abandon it. Straight up. He should just give it up. Yeah. Don't. It's clearly his instinct to go <laughs> right. to it. Fight but... the instinct, bro. <laughs> Fight the instinct. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had anything else to say about this one? That sucked. The ending certainly it did. It definitely yeah. stung a little bit. Yeah. It, it no no argument there. But eight two and two. Right, eight two and two. You know we can only eight two and two, but you know they were at one point seven zero. Right, they've lost a couple in a row now. And they're you can't give points away when you don't have your best player. You can't just give points away ever. Right, and. It's I waffle because you can't give points away, but I've been saying this whole time. Play 500 until Miko's back. Right. You'll be okay. Right. Either way. And I, Landy was in a walking boot last night, by the way. We had heard that. I'd been hearing that it was a broken foot. Um, again, no confirmation on that, but he is in a walking boot. where it, It's the same kind of boot that they gave me when I broke my foot over the summer. So. Adds up a little bit there. Right. Well, and I'm like, okay, well, if it's the same kind of break is it's and it's similar. I was told four to six weeks. By the third week, I was really sore, but it was mobile. If I had a cortisone shot, I could probably play. <laughs> you know, I could have probably done a lot more things, uh, but, you know, in his position. So that it, it, it gives me hope that if it's similar to what I had that. And again, guessing. Don't know for sure. Uh, but hoping that it's more three to four than six. Could see eight. him play again this year, not right, January. Before, before yeah. Oh, certainly. I think uh, that's that's got to be the hope for everybody is that we see. I mean, you know, maybe he's the Thanksgiving, you know, <laughs> present that, yeah. that comes back in the lineup <laughs> in that time frame. You know, just if if it all works out great, if it all heals up and and, and it goes really well. Uh, I guess we'll wrap it there. Yeah. Getting Rantanen and Landeskog back would be what? Game changing. Exactly. We're I've all gotten good at this alley-oop. Yeah, yeah we're, we're putting it together. It took us a couple months, yeah. but, but we figured it out. And we're excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee as well. StravaCraft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so be sure to check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has helped take away long-term migraines, arthritis, back pain, IBS, even helped decrease anxiety. 
CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to all of our listeners. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. You can check it out for yourself today when you use code DNVR20 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door for 20% off. It's going to do it for us. As always, thank you for listening or watching or however else you got this podcast. I always enjoy doing these with AJ, and we will be back tomorrow answering all of your guys' questions.